I want to begin today by just saying words matter. Words matter. Words are powerful. And yet words have a way of kind of running into each other. They just kind of morph into each other. And oftentimes as a result of that, we actually end up losing some of the sense of what certain words mean. They just kind of fall into a bucket. And so let me kind of give you an example. On the center screen is the word gratefulness. That's a key word for today. But there are synonyms that are associated with the word gratefulness. Here, here's a number of those. The first one, obviously, thankfulness. Thankfulness is a synonym of gratefulness. Uh, then appreciation is another. Another is adulation. Another, gratitude. Uh, another, to give tribute or to declare praise. Two more, to rave or to loud. Those are all great words, and they kind of come around this word of gratefulness, and they're related with each other in that. And, and yet in that, uh, let me kind of pull out two of these words and, and kind of grab a hold of them and think in them for a minute. Gratefulness and thankfulness. Gratefulness and thankfulness. We oftentimes uh, use them interchangeably, and I understand it, and that's okay. Uh, they're kind of kissing cousins. Um, but with that, but, but they fall into that. But, but I'll just say, I've come to see this year that there is a uniqueness between the two words. I'd say it this way. One is the root. The other is the fruit. One of them, center screen, is the root. The other is the fruit. A gratefulness is a state of being. Maybe better said, as we'll see here out of the psalm, it's a state of knowing. Whereas thankfulness kind of has more of that feel of a state of feeling. Gratefulness is reverential. Thankfulness is more experiential. Uh, Gratefulness is inward. It it is core-centered. Thankfulness is more outward and objects-centered. Gratefulness remains. Biblical gratefulness endures and remains, yet thankfulness can fade, right? There are times where we can be thankful for things and times where, well, we're not feeling so much thankfulness. But gratefulness is the root of it all, and that's the word I want to key in on. In fact, let me just make mention, don't turn there, Luke 17 comes to mind. Uh, Jesus heals 10 lepers. Imagine being a leper. I don't think we can in our country and in this day and age, but it's an absolutely debilitating, horrible disease. And Jesus heals 10 who had leprosy. And we learn in Luke 17 that uh, all 10 are healed, and yet one comes back and returns, and it says, praising God with a loud voice, fell at his face, uh, on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. The word is Eucharisteo, uh, giving him thanks in that. One comes back to that, but listen to me. Listen, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to like bad talk the other nine because you cannot tell me that the other nine were not thankful, right? I would say all ten were thankful. 
Yet one has this kind of what I might call embodiment of what gratefulness is. This one out of it comes back, falls on his face before Jesus. And I would say it's like there's thought, there's going on with what's taking place at a different level than the others. In fact, if I were preaching that text today, I would probably title it as, as all thankful, one grateful. Um, growing in gratefulness has been my thing for this year. Earlier this year, if you haven't been here, earlier this year I was doing a series called Growing Forward. What does it look like to grow deeper in the Lord? And, and my challenge was that every one of us would pick two words, one that you could share with anyone and one that is just between you and the Lord, two areas of growth that you would like to see take place in your life. It's fascinating for me that early in this year, uh, even before I ever knew that this would be my last year with you in this role, uh, God put on my heart gratefulness. How interesting. It's kind of like God knows, right? I've come to learn over this year that gratefulness is not grounded in feelings. Gratefulness is not grounded in circumstances or situations. Gratefulness is not grounded in my settings or my accomplishments. Gratefulness is not grounded in people. Instead, biblical gratefulness is grounded and built upon what I'm, I've come to call my three G's. And I want to share them with you this morning. Let's see them in Psalm 100, uh, a short psalm. It's only five verses long. And um, let me read it. A psalm for giving thanks. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So God, I pray as we enter this short psalm that you would lean into us, encourage us, help us. We are sheep. Sheep are scaredy cats. And we fear easily. And yet you love us. How sweet is that? So be here with us. In your name we pray, amen. I want to lean into these five verses. First, I just kind of want to step back and kind of four observations about the structure of the psalm. Just some point outs here. Number one, it opens with a heading descriptor. As I said, I have English Standard Version. It says a psalm for giving thanks. I actually think the New International Version hits it better. It says a psalm for giving grateful praise. It comes out of gratefulness. A New King James Version says a psalm of thanksgiving. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. It's a psalm for thanksgiving. 
I don't think they had our Thanksgiving in mind, but uh, it opens with a heading descriptor. Secondly, English Standard Version has six exclamation points on six sentences. That matters. I actually think that helps. The reason I bring that up, it helps give the tone that the psalmist is trying to help us understand here. It's not like, hey, here's a thought to casually think. It's like, no, here's a, here's a point. Here's a statement. Here's a big deal. Boom, exclamation point. And if they had smileys or whatever, they would do that as well. Uh, third, uh, five sentences begin with verbs. It's interesting. Look at verse one. It says, make. And then verse two, serve. Middle of verse two, it says, come into. Verse three, it says, no. And then uh, K-N-O, W. And then verse four, it says, enter. All beginning with five verbs. It's interesting how it is. It kind of helps make that exclamation point reality. Like there's an action. There's a thing here uh, to be paid attention to and to follow. And then uh, the fourth thing is the psalm doesn't just tell us about what to do. It tells us why we do it, which is really the guts and the meat of the passage here that I'm keying in on. And that'll be in verse 3. And I actually think it's then repeated uh, uniquely in verse 5. So with that on the table, let's, uh, let's go after. After it, Uh, Psalm 100, verse 1, begins with, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Let's break these down in words. Make, make. That means it doesn't automatically happen. That's an important reality. It doesn't automatically happen. You need to make this. Uh, Make what? You need to make a noise. That's important because it doesn't say make a thought. It says make a noise. It's really make a shout. There's a verbalization. Thoughts are great. And you may be, well, I'm a quiet person to myself. Okay, I I, I get that. I get that. You may believe it or not, not believe it or not, but I I am very much that way myself in all of this. And yet in it, it's this kind of thing to where it's like, no, make a noise. Verbalize it. Uh, Say it out. And not any noise. Uh, we're, we're, go- we're all good at making noises. I mean, uh, particularly in our world. Our world is, world is great at making complaining noises and griping noises and angry noises, right? But it's not that kind of a noise. It says, make a, what kind of a noise? A joyful noise. A joy-filled noise. Raise the roof with a shout of joy. Woo! Yeah. Bam. Uh, and not any random person to not any random person or, or whatever. It's make a, a joyful noise shout to whom? To the Lord. Lord, this declaration of noise that's being said here, this verbalization that's coming out of my mouth right at the moment. God, this, 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 I'm, I'm doing this for you. I think it's just fascinating because God knows our thoughts and yet he wants us to speak it verbalize it. Make a noise. Make a joyful noise. Make it to the Lord. And I love the fact it's an invitation to all the earth. Hey, all, all the earth, all of you can participate in this. Come. It's this constant call of the Lord to those, uh, all of those who are sinners separated from a holy God. Come. Come and enter. Come and, and be a part of all of this. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Second, serve the Lord with gladness. Verse one, uh, a worship includes words, but also action. Serving. It's the act of serving. And it's not an act of serving for self, but serve the Lord. 
and not out of dutiful obligation, but with gladness. Hey, listen, there are times where we're like, oh, I got to serve in that way today. I'm just not feeling it. That's okay. Seriously, that's okay. I'm going to tell you straight up on the table. There are times I feel that way with it. It's like, oh, man. Okay, and yet there's something that should be taking place in our serving that is deeper than the feelings we feel at the top of the cake. And that's where this psalm is moving us, and yet it's starting there. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. And then in the middle of verse uh, 2 is the third sentence. Come into his presence with singing. I love that. That's an interesting note, by the way. If I remember right from Scripture, God is omnipresent. So it's not that God is not here I would suggest, though it's really going on here, is the psalm is reminding us that the Lord is here and the Lord is everywhere and it is our action to come into his presence. Because I will tell you, one of the things I've been learning about myself over gratefulness over the year is, is, oh my goodness, how often I forget that I am in the presence of the Lord. And am I coming into his presence because he's already here. We don't have to be in a place where it's like, come, Lord, oh, we beg if you would come because we know you don't want to come, but come, Lord. We're not doing that. The Lord's like, I'm here. Are you coming into my presence? And by the way, we should be doing that with singing. Wouldn't that be kind of cool if people just had it where we walk in the door? Singing as we enter with that, it's kind of that idea. Singing matters. Singing is important, not because of the worship team, but because it's important to God. Two thoughts coming out of these first two verses. One is just note that all three actions matter to God, all three of them. Make a joyful noise, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. All of them matter to the Lord. And and one can say, well, I prefer making a noise over serving or I prefer serving over singing. You know, actually, I'm not really into any three of those. Okay, I I understand. And there may be days where you're feeling that or you may just feel that all the time. But look at the text because the text isn't asking us if we feel like it. The text is telling us that this is important to God. And so make a shout because it matters to God. And so serve the Lord with gladness because it matters to him. Not because there's spots that need to be filled, but because it matters to the Lord. And in all of that, we are to come into his presence with singing because that's what God desires and that's what God loves. All three actions matter to God. Also note that the manner of each of these three actions make a joyful noise and serve with gladness and enter with singing. It's, it's not uh, make a grumbling noise. We can be good at that, can't we? Or serve with dutiful obligation. It's not that. Or enter his presence with lackadaisicalness. It's, it's not that. You know, this is on my checklist. I go to church, so I just got to get her done. It's not that. Thankfulness can fade because feelings can fade. But gratefulness endures and gratefulness does because gratefulness is built out of something. And let's take that and what's it built out of? It's built out of verse three. There are some things for us to know, three things for us to know, my three G's here. Let me just read verse three. Know that the Lord, he is God. 
It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. G number one, there is a God. There is a God. You see that? Know that the Lord, he is God. Well, duh, Doug. I mean, the Lord, yeah, is God. No, hold, hold on here for a second. Friends, there is a God. There is. There is a God. And he is the God of the Bible. And seriously, we don't take moments like what we just had there to go, well, duh, Doug. No, hold it. There is a God. Have we allowed that even in a moment of every day? Through, have we really taken life and allowed life to reckon itself through the fact that there is a God? And that God, I'm sorry, is not you. And that God is definitely not me. And that God is not an object. That God is not an idea. That God is not a philosophical paradigm. That God is not a mathematical former formula. God is not some scientific pursuit. God is not a political platform. God is not a financial attainment. God is not a physical creation. God is not some scenic viewpoint where you go like, oh, there's God. God is not looking through a telescope and seeing the outer planetary uh, 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 eternity that is out there in a God-sized universe. Listen, uh, yes, it points us to God, but that is not God. And God is not something that I feel. You see, the Bible begins with Genesis 1.1 and the most important four words in the entire Bible, in the beginning, God. It starts with there. And we just have even a tendency not to pause on those four words. Uh, uh, young men and women, there is a God. 30s, 40s, 50s. There is a God. And are you running your life through that? For real? Hey, ask gray hairs. Or those of you who color your hair. <laughs> there is a God. And I'm serious about this. I don't think I pause on that fact enough. Know that the Lord, he is God. Imagine if there were no God just for a moment. And as a result of that, well, we're here alone. And that then means that there really is no ultimate truth. And that means that there is no maker of right. And that means that this life is just a series of chemical reactions reacting in utter, utter randomness? Really? Really? You're okay with that? Uh, that there's a, no ultimate purpose? That there's no ultimate standard? That there's no ultimate design? That there's no heaven? That there's no hell? That there's no reckoning? It's just live, go for all you can get, and die, and that's it. 
if that's you, I, I, I lovingly respect you. And yet I will say, I, I, I can't buy that. And you may say, I have a harder time buying the fact that there is a God. I'm just telling you, I have a harder time believing that there is not. Like, this is it. Just live, get your stuff, do what you want, try and be happy as you can under other people's rules and guidelines that they've set. Forget them. There's raw, right? But there is a God, and I am grateful because gratefulness is grounded in the fact that there is a God. Secondly, know that it is he who made us and we are his. G number two, grace. You see, there is a God and that doesn't tell us a whole lot about who this God is, but this next word, grace, does. There is a God of grace. You see in the text, uh, he made us and we are his, those are in Christ. In fact, uh, you listen as I read. I, I want, don't turn there. I want you to just listen. I'm going to read out of Romans 3 and then Ephesians 2. Uh, you listen, grace. It begins with in the, what I'm reading in Romans 3. None is righteous, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. Ouch. No one does good, not even one. By the way, have you, do you notice, probably even in your own heart, you're already fighting with it. Oh, come on, there's got to be one. Isn't that interesting how we just want to take God on? Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Doug, who is this talking about? Because that certainly wouldn't be me and it certainly wouldn't be you. Well, let's keep reading. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to us. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And yet we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And you, Paul is writing to believers in Ephesus, and you once were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons and daughters of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's Romans 3 that I read. Verse 4. But God, 
But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one can boast. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, he made us, and for those who know Christ, we are his And that is not because you're awesome. It is because the God of grace is awesome. Gratefulness is grounded in that. John 1.16, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. There is going to come a day when the Lord is going to pull back, theologically speaking, his general grace. And it will become a living hell on earth. You see, everyone who knows Christ or doesn't know Christ is experiencing God's grace in some shape or fashion. But for the person who has come to Christ through receiving Christ as their Savior, his saving grace has been applied to you. He is the God of grace. Thank God. Third, know that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. (laughs) Call this, he's got it. He's got it. The God of grace has got it. Let's lean into that. Uh, Through Christ we are his sheep, God's people. If we are his, as in God's, and we are his by his grace, not of our own efforts, then that means God has, well, got us. You haven't earned your salvation. God's got you. The God of grace has got us. And through Christ, as his people, we are in his pasture. Do you see it in the text? The sheep of his pasture. John 10's all over that, by the way. The pasture we're in is God's. It's God's. It's not mine. It's not your pasture. It's not anyone but God's pasture. And there is no entity. There is no force. There is no power. There is no being that is higher than God. And it's his pasture. And through Christ, we are his people. And there is no higher force, no higher power. And that means that it's his pasture. That means he gets to design his pasture to his purposes, to his structure, to his design, to his functions, to his happenings, to his everything. And you and I, we can stand here and we can complain and gripe before God on how we think he's doing a horrible job. And we're fools. For doing so. It's not our pasture. And yet we think like it is oftentimes. 
this is my life. And I'm going to drive how things should be. Because actually, actually, I'm pretty impressive. And God's like, yeah, you're just a bunch of sheep. And I am grateful. That through Christ I am his. And I am grateful. That I'm in his pasture. No matter what I might think sometimes. You see, thankfulness can fade. Gratefulness remains in that. The other Sunday in Job, at the end of Job, uh, God does not sit Job down in chapters 38 to 41. God does not sit, sit Job down and explain why all of these travesties in his life are occurring. Job doesn't know about Job chapter one and what's going on. God doesn't sit him down and explain the why. And yet you and I are on this fascination hunt for all the why answers of things, aren't we? If something happens, we go, why? Why does that happen? We think, why did that happen? And yet God in all this, he could have sat Job down. He could have sat Job down and he said, Job, Job, let me tell you what's really going on here. I am uh, providing you the living opportunity to be a direct testimony to Satan himself. But yet, God never tells Job any of that. Job in all, God in all of that tells Job, Job, you have forgotten something. You have forgotten that, well, I could sum those four chapters up by saying that I've got it. You don't even have to know the why. You have to know that I know the why and that I've got it all. And that's why he sits him down and he says, Job, can you, can you, Job, can you do this and can you do that? Job, who is the one who is over it all? And Job, where were you when? And Job, how, how, how is it that? And Job, can you and can you and can you and can you? And Job steps back and he goes, I lost sight of what's going on here. In my own words, I don't need to know why. I just need to know who's over the why. Friends, I can't tell you why things have happened the way they've happened in your life. But I can say this, that God has got it, and that needs to be enough Well, it's not enough for me. Okay. I am just telling you that the scriptures tell us that God has got it all. And that should be enough. Gratefulness is grounded in the fact that the God of grace has got it. And it is out of that that thankfulness comes. Look at verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. It's out of, it's out of verse 3. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. 
It's rightly knowing God, being in that right theological understanding of what is going on, is what is the grounding force of which thankfulness comes out. I don't have to feel thankful, but I can be thankful because I am grateful that the God of grace has got it. I may not like it. But the God of grace has got it. And then the psalm finishes with the God of grace has got it. For the Lord is good. You see, there is a God, and he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. You see, the Lord is good because he is a God of grace, and his faithfulness endures to all generations because he's got it. He is faithful to himself, and that flows out in the fact that he has got it all. Gratefulness. The God of grace has got it and oh, how I need to bring myself back to that again and again a thousand times a day. Megan Hill says this, biblical thankfulness is not a fall cheer slapped on the surface of otherwise bad circumstances. She's talking about the fruit here. Biblical thankfulness is our acknowledgement that God is accomplishing his eternal purposes even when we cannot clearly see what he is doing. You see, it's grounded in the fact that there is a God and we give thanks in all circumstances, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Philippians 4.6, because we trust that those very circumstances come from the powerful and gracious hand of our covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. Spot on, girl. You see, thankfulness comes out of the fact that the God of grace has got it. And so make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth and serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence with singing, even when I don't feel like it. And know that the Lord, he is God. For he It is he who made us, and by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we are his, and we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good, i.e., even when I don't get it or think it. You see, for his steadfast love, his grace endures forever, and his faithfulness, his godness to all generations. Gratefulness is a state of being. It is a state of knowing. Thankfulness is more that state of feeling. Thankfulness is the, fr- is the fruit. Gratefulness is the root. Allow me to try and finish by maybe example. Maybe this was something like around your Thanksgiving table. Thankfulness.
grab a hold of yourself today. I am thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my kids. I am thankful for my grandkids. I am thankful for my parents. I am thankful for our house. I'm thankful for furniture. I'm thankful for food. I'm thankful for two cars. I'm thankful for a camper. I'm thankful for freedom. I'm thankful for this country. I'm thankful for trees and grass and flowers and even snow. Yeah, I I like snow. I am thankful for this building and I'm thankful for this property. I'm thankful for these seats. Oh, I'm thankful for these decorations. Aren't they beautiful? I'm thankful for music and I'm thankful for technology. I'm thankful for kids' ministries and student ministries, small groups. I'm thankful for all the leaders and servers in all of those. I'm thankful for cleaners and greeters, decorators and makers of coffee. I'm thankful for elders and pastors and staff and their spouses. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for nearly 15 years now of being able to live 1 Thessalonians 2.8 with you. I'm thankful for being able to be blessed to preach nearly 1,500 times over the last 15 years. I'm thankful. But allow me to note, thankfulness can ebb and flow and even fade at times for all of those. But then you come to gratefulness. And it takes us to God. And his grace. And that he's got it. I am grateful that there is a God and that he is the God of the Bible. The God who is in the beginning, the God who is behind it all, in it all, and in front of it all. I am grateful for the eternal, triune, self-existent, self-sufficient, unchanging creator, the all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-holy covenant maker, long-suffering, sovereign, faithful, just, jealous, merciful, good, loving, gracious, radiant God. Oh, more God-gratefulness in me and us. And I am grateful for grace. For grace upon grace. 
for grace upon grace and in God's kindness in saving me and in redeeming me and justifying me for sealing me and indwelling and convicting and growing and guiding and shaping me. Oh, more God, grace, gratefulness in us. I am grateful that the God of grace has got it. Friend, I don't know why some things have taken place in your life. I can't give you that answer. And if you are yearning for that answer, that answer is found in the God of grace and you need to leave it there. Because he is and he will make it right. And he does not need to explain himself because he is God and it is his pasture and he's got it. Thankfulness ebbs and flows. Gratefulness in the God of grace who's got it That is. And it never changes. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we are the sheep of his pasture. Know God, you are God. No, God, we are here and we acknowledge you are the God of grace and you are the God of grace that's got it. And it's here in this place, in this truth, in this moment, in this mindset that we sit and quiet and still beholding Adoring, maybe even repenting. You are the God of grace that's got it. You are our refuge. You are our strength. You are our very present help in trouble. For you are our creator our Savior and our Helper and our Sustainer.